0: Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Monday, December 5th, 2022. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. This is Crosstown Shootout Week, and it really sets up perfectly for this show. Northern Kentucky plays Washington State on Wednesday in Pullman and Dayton plays at Virginia Tech on Wednesday in a game to save the Flyers' season. But other than that, there are no local games during the week. Xavier generally tries to play a midweek bye game during shootout week, but with final exams happening this week at Xavier, there's no game happening. This is a Cincinnati-area college basketball show, and the shootout is the biggest game in this area every year. So I'm going to spend this entire week getting you ready for the game. I have a bunch of guests already booked, and by Saturday morning, there shouldn't be anything you don't know ahead of the 3 p.m. tip-off at Fifth Third Arena. So if you haven't subscribed already to this show, make sure you do that now. Let's take a look back at the last couple of days, and in the best game of the weekend around the city, Bob Huggins returned to the Cintas Center on Saturday with his West Virginia squad to take on a Xavier team that was desperate for what will probably be a quad one win at the end of the season. The Musketeers absolutely earned it in front of a raucous crowd, winning 84-74 after trailing 43-36 at halftime. It was another game against a power conference opponent where Xavier had a chance to win late, but this time it was a different story. They made the winning plays. More importantly for Xavier, the defense, which has been subpar to say the least all season held firm in the game's closing minutes. Xavier went on a 14-4 run to end the game, holding West Virginia without a field goal for the last 4 minutes and 26 seconds. The Mountaineers finished 0 for their last 8 and 1 for their last 12 from the field. The game changed in the second half as West Virginia's shot-making came back down to earth. West Virginia made 7 threes in the first half, but only 2 of the 10 they took in the second half. Xavier came out in the second half more prepared to defend the perimeter, and it showed because Jack Nunji and Zach Fremantle handled their work around the post, and that meant the guards were able to stay farther out around the three-point line to defend. Experienced players made big plays for Xavier. Sule Boom continued to impress this year. Boom and Nunji combined to score 40 of Xavier's 84 points. Boom had 23, and Nunji had 17 to go along with his 14 rebounds for a double-double. I thought Jerome Hunter had a fantastic game on both sides of the ball, and while he might not have filled up the stat sheet with just six points, he appears to be on an upward trajectory after a so-so start to the year, and that's big for the depth of this Xavier team. If Sean Miller can trust Jerome Hunter to be in the game, if they can rely on him off the bench, that could be a big point and a big successful point for this Xavier team. One other thing from this game that stands out is how composed Xavier played down the stretch in a game that they knew they needed to win for their non-conference resume. In last week's article that Matt Norlander wrote for CBS Sports about Sean Miller's return to Xavier, Miller mentioned how brutal the schedule has been for Xavier so far and how he was hoping Xavier didn't get discouraged by losing close games against Indiana, Duke, or Gonzaga, saying, quote, you know, it's like you can be a damn good team and lose your confidence. Sule Boom said in the West Virginia post-game press conference, quote, we knew we had to get this one. Bob Huggins is now 8-11 in his career against the Musketeers. Yesterday at 5th-3rd, Cincinnati hammered the Bryant Bulldogs 97-71. This is now the sixth time in the Bearcats' first nine games that they've scored at least 80 points. Bryant was missing some depth due to players out with illnesses, but I'm not really sure that mattered in the end. UC was just way too much for the Bulldogs to handle. Ten different Bearcats scored in the game, including six and double figures, led by Victor Locken, who had a double-double with 16 points and 13 rebounds. Freshman Dan Skillings also had a nice afternoon, pouring in 14 points and grabbing 13 boards, his most productive game of the year so far. Sage Tolentino made his Cincinnati debut, scoring four quick points toward the end of the game. UC made 10 threes as a team in this one, a number they'll likely have to reach in the shootout on Saturday against a Xavier team that has struggled to guard the perimeter. One other big note from this game is that Rob Finnessy missed it, and according to Justin Williams, it's a foot fracture that will likely keep him out for extended time. Without John Newman III and Finnessy, UC is now missing two of their better defenders, something to keep an eye on. Northern Kentucky overcame a seven-point halftime deficit to beat Robert Morris 60-56 to 56, on Saturday night at Truist Arena. NKU outscored the Colonials 37-26 to 26 in the second half. Trayvon Faulkner led the way for the Norse with 14, and Marquez Work added 13. After two consecutive draining double-overtime home wins, I was very interested to see how Northern Kentucky would do in their second Horizon League game. They responded pretty well, especially considering NKU was losing – 49-48 in this game with less than 10 minutes to play. They didn't wilt, and now they sit at 2-0 in conference play. NKU heads across the country to Washington State for that Wednesday night game against the Cougars. Dayton played southeastern Louisiana on Saturday, who stayed up in the Ohio region and didn't travel back home after their 95-63 to loss to Xavier last Wednesday. At UD Arena, the Lions gave the Flyers all they could handle, but Dayton got it done in the end winning 80-74 for head coach Anthony Grant's 300th career win. Tumani Kamara led the way for Dayton with 20 points as the Flyers overcame a one-point halftime deficit to close the game strong and improve to 5-4 on the year. Dayton really put their stamp on the game in its final few minutes. It was tied at 51 with just over 11 minutes left. The Flyers went on a 12-0 run to separate themselves. If you remember from last week when I talked about southeastern Louisiana before they played Xavier, I mentioned their ability to shoot the ball, and that's what allowed them to hang around in this game. They made nine threes. Dayton now has to get ready for a game on Wednesday that could potentially define their season in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. Win, and the Flyers can change the narrative of the last couple of weeks. Lose, and you're probably already looking at a situation where you know you'll have to win the 8-10 tournament to hear your name on Selection Sunday. Kentucky picked up a much-needed win in London yesterday over Michigan, winning 73-69. Tough scheduling that after years of postponements due to COVID, they played this London game at 1 p.m. Eastern time on an NFL Sunday and also when England was playing in a World Cup match at the same time, but so it goes when you have to just get it done. This was Kentucky's first win over a high-major team, and after some of the struggles Kentucky has had earlier in the season against good opponents, this was a much better performance, especially in the second half, after a shaky first 20 minutes. Kaysen Wallace had a monster game, going 4-for-4 from 3, including one with just about a minute left that really sealed the deal for the Wildcats. He finished with 14 points. That was tied for the team lead. Oscar Shibway didn't have the best game offensively, was held to just 13 points, did grab 14 rebounds. He didn't play for a large part of the second half with foul trouble. John Calipari said after the game he felt like Kentucky was just lucky to beat Michigan, mainly because Kentucky only shot 10 for 20 from the free throw line. Kentucky plays Yale this coming Saturday. It was a tough game for Miami Oxford on Saturday, who closed his 7.5-point underdogs to Indiana State but ended up losing by 27, 88-61. Indiana State led 58-28 to at the half, and even though Miami played much better in the second half, it wasn't nearly enough to overcome that first-half deficit. Miami is now 3-5 and, and plays NAIA school Calumet next Sunday. Wright State lost their second straight game and their third in their last four, dropping Sunday's game against Youngstown State, 88-77 to fall to 5-4 and four on the season, and 0-2 in the Horizon League after the opening weekend of conference action. Dwayne Cohill scored 43 points for the Penguins, and Brandon Knoll led Wright State with 22. The Raiders play again on Saturday against Western Kentucky. So to peel back the curtain on this show a little bit, I have a template for the show that I copy and paste into a new note every night for that day's show. It starts with the intro, then lists all the teams that I talk about, and at the bottom, a National Nuggets piece with space for the outro. Last night, I added Louisville onto the list of teams I talk about because they are just too remarkably bad to leave off. The Cardinals lost, wait for it, 80-53 to to Miami, Florida yesterday at the Yum Center. There's not too much else to say except that it was bad all the way around. Louisville does not play again until Saturday when they travel down to Florida to play 1-9 Florida State. The unstoppable force meets the immovable object. National Nuggets now. Rutgers is Indiana's kryptonite. The Scarlet Knights beat the number no. 10 Hoosiers for the sixth time in a row, decisively too, 63-48 in New Jersey. Miller Kopp scored 21 for his season high, and Trace Jackson Davis added just 13. So if you do the math, that means the entire rest of Indiana's team, outside of Kopp and Jackson Davis, only scored 14 points in the game. Number one, Houston won a close one in Dallas against St. Mary's on Saturday night, 53-48. It's just a classic, low-scoring, grinded-out win for the Cougars. Zach Eadie continues to look like a National Player of the Year candidate as he tallied 31 points and 22 rebounds and produced 89-70 win over Minnesota on Sunday. A significant result in the Big East. Number 7 Creighton lost in a rivalry game to Nebraska at home yesterday, 63-53. Won't be too often the Blue Jays will be held to 53 points this season, and they sure did have an off day on Sunday. Creighton took 40 threes in the game and only made 10 of them. Number 20, Michigan State lost to Northwestern 70-63 on Sunday. And get this, number 18, North Carolina lost again, this time to Virginia Tech 80-72 on Sunday. The preseason number one team has now lost four straight games with their last win coming in the opening round of the PK-85 over Portland. Armando Baycott didn't play in the game for UNC. And again, the paint was a problem for the Tar Heels. The Hokies scored 42 points in the paint. North Carolina is now 5-4 on the year, and their best win is over 80th-ranked James Madison. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. The rest of the week will almost exclusively be filled with interviews and previews of the Crosstown Shootout. So if you enjoy the podcast and you know people around the programs or around the city you're sitting there at Skyline talking about the game, if you think somebody would enjoy this, share it. Take a second. Tell them about the show. Have a great Monday, everybody, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.